Welcome, monsieur. Sit yourself down and meet the best innkeeper in town. A gent of good intent who's content to be. Hi, I'm Ryan, and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. Uh, Join me as we step into year one in today's statistics podcast. Uh, But first, a little bit of a preamble and check-in about the podcast and other things like that. Uh, You may have noticed that after almost three full weeks, I want to say, of daily episodes, there have been... A chain of days without any episodes and the reason for that is because one pretty much all the theaters around me have not shown any new movies except incarnate which i will be seeing later today but don't imagine that it'll make an appearance on any of the episodes to come given how bad it's supposed to be uh two i've been very busy uh with a lot of other life-related things, work, food, uh, planning for the holidays, trying to figure out when I'm going to be able to take a vacation and see my family and all that kind of stuff. So I just really haven't had the time to to sit down and record anything. And uh, it sucks because I wish, I wish I did have that time. I wish, you know, I would love to put out an episode every day at and, like, be well ahead, you know, for, for the foreseeing future. But presumably, as soon as this, as soon as Thursday and Friday get here, there will be enough movies to go around where I'll be able to put out, if not an episode every day, then every other day at the very least, uh, hopefully. And then, especially with Star Wars next week, and you know the mid mid December really being the thick of prestige award season for the Oscars. Uh, I think that we will be able to be safe and be able to get back on track as far as that goes. Uh, I have seen a couple of films at the theater recently. Um, I went and saw Man Down yesterday with Shia LaBeouf, and it was suitably terrible. Uh, you know, he brings his signature charisma, and, you know, he's definitely out there trying, and so I can't begrudge him that part of it but the movie itself is quite bad and a couple days before that I went and saw Certain Women Kelly Reichardt's new film and I was very excited uh, to go see that Uh, unfortunately it was two-thirds bad one part great and that does not make a great film on its own you know you need kind of all of it to be at least good and it wasn't, you know, it's broken up into three main parts, and one of those parts just far exceeded the quality of the other two, in my personal opinion. So, yeah, you know, those are the two films I've seen at theaters recently, and outside of that, you know, I've been trying to chip away at the uh, December scavenger hunt, you know, I'm a film ahead at the moment, and it'll probably increase substantially on Wednesday and Thursday this week when I don't work. But I mentioned in the December preview episode that five of the films for this month's scavenger hunt are uh, Spielberg films uh, from five very five decades of his 
direction. And as soon as I have watched all five of those, I've watched two of them so far, I'm going to have a Spielberg retrospective episode. And I'm still kind of trying to figure out the format for that. If I will only focus on these five films as they span kind of the beginning and to the end of his career, or if I really just want to sit down and look at every single film of his that I've seen. Because once I've seen the la- the other three, that'll give me 27 Spielberg films that I've seen, which is a lot, uh, quite, quite a lot. And, you know, he's only directed like, what, 30 or so, I want to say. Let me see how, what Letterboxd has to say. Uh, because, you know, if it's really close, um, oh, this gives him 44 direction, directing credits. Wow. Because uh, I'll be seeing that, I'll be seeing that, and that. Um, this one isn't out yet. That's not out yet. Hold on, let me see. If we remove the ones that aren't out yet, hide unreleased, hide short films. Gets us down to 37 films. And I will have seen... I've seen 25? I only have 24 listed. Ooh, I'm missing something. That's not good. I'll have to figure what that what that is. Oh, wait. It must be... Uh, no, it's not Duel. Always, I just watched this. I don't know. Okay, so apparently I'm missing a film in here. Somewhere. Um... Well, these two don't even count, so that puts us down to 35. So I'll have seen 28 of his 35 films, and I think that's a really good number. So I, I might just go through every single one, actually. Uh, like, you know, he's got a—he's a huge director, one of the most recognizable names in the industry, as well as a producer. And just all around, and screenwriter on top of that, multiple Academy Awards, and you know, really just you can't even begin to chronicle film as a medium, as a an art form, as a experience without including him in it in some capacity. And so I really would love to like take a, a whole episode and just break down all of Spielberg's films. And while some of them may be really rusty and, and dim in my memory, uh, I think I'll be able to kind of talk about each of them in their own way, I hope. Uh, and then the last thing I wanted to say before we really jump into today's, to today's episode is... That all of the films that I watch, I review on Letterboxd. Uh, definitely much shorter, briefer reviews than I ever put on here on the podcast. And they kind of just, I try to either the first thing that comes to mind or a brief summary of how I feel or I don't know, just various things. Um, so, for example, you know, if I look at certain women's review, it's only a couple sentences where I say, I wish this was just the Kristen Stewart segment. Laura Derns was solid, but Michelle Williams felt really weak by comparison. 
Stewart and Gladstone saved this film from intense mediocrity, but only just. I gave it three stars, or a 60-something on my spreadsheet. I think it was ended up being a 61, actually. And so, if there's ever a film, you know, if you look at my letterbox, you know, it's linked in all the show notes. You can see all the reviews that I've given, all the films that I've watched. And if there's ever a film that you see that I've seen and it doesn't come up on an episode in the, of the podcast, or if you go back and I have seen some film from years and years and years ago and you, you know, super agree or super disagree with the rating I gave it or something I say about it, you know, please feel free to say something. Let me know and maybe it'll end up on one of the episodes. Uh, especially if it's a recently watched film, I'd be happy to review it if the desire is there, if the audience for that type of thing is there. You know, I don't, I can't review everything I watch. I watch a lot of movies and I try to review the bigger ones, the ones that are more prevalent to today and what's in theaters now. But, you know, if there is a film like, say, Morning Glory or uh, The Age of Innocence or Do the Right Thing that I happen to gloss over, please let me know. Uh, If it's a film that's on my scavenger hunt, then I might decline to mention that film on its own because I know that I'll end up talking about it at the end of the month in the scavenger hunt um, review episode. So keep that in mind. But generally, I'd be happy to talk about any movie that you want me to talk about. That's what I'm here for, you know? Uh, So, yeah, that's just a little update for things and uh let's just jump into year one uh i watched this on december 1st um uh hold on a second one minute one moment one moment one moment um just gotta do a little editing here Okay. Okay. Perfect. All right. Year one. Uh, Yeah, I saw this December 1st this year. I clocked it at 98 minutes. And it came out in 2009. So this movie is seven years old. All right. So keep that in mind when when I'm talking about it. Seven years old. Uh, my, my synopsis is two hunter-gatherers go on an adventure. It's pretty short and sweet. Uh, I felt as though trying to be any more specific than that would render huge sections of the plot uh, as not part of the plot. So, you know, I could say that, you know, the two hunter-gatherers end up with Cain and Abel and traveling with them or involved in the Roman Empire or trying to rescue girls from slavery or something along those lines. But then, like, I felt as though that would diminish the uh, the rest of the film that was also very central to the plot. And, like, this is the plot boiled down to the bare bones. 
Two hunter gatherers go on an adventure. Michael, Sarah, Jack Black. Done. Uh, this film got has a 15% on Rotten Tomatoes. Pretty awful. And I gave it a 21. So I'm not really going to give much of, a, much of a review for the film. But I think between my rating and I guess just how I talk about it, you'll sort of get a sense for exactly how I feel about the film. Um, all right. Moving on to directors. We've got Harold Ramis as the director. Uh, he, This is not the second directed film from Ramis that I've seen, but is the second one that is on the spreadsheet as one of his data points. Uh, the first being National Lampoon's Vacation. And this drops Ramis quite significantly uh, from 729th to 1,239th overall. His average film rating goes from 71 to 46. And his score goes from a 73 to a 46. Awful. Just awful. Um, as a writer, uh, Ramis is credited there as well. And this moves him from 1,934th to 2,452nd, dropping his score down to a 41, which is really bad. Um, two other people credited as writers on this film, Gene Stupnitsky and Lee Eisenberg. Uh, this is the first film for both of them that I have put on the spreadsheet. And so they start out with a score of 19, and a rank of 2,686. Not the best launching off point. But here's where it gets interesting, and that's the actors page. Because let me just say that there are 100,000 people in this movie, and they all are recognizable. <laughs> like Every single scene felt like it added five more people that I knew were going to be on the spreadsheet in some capacity. And at the very top, we have previously 10th overall, Bill Hader. And if it seems odd that Bill Hader is the 10th highest rated, or was the 10th highest rated actor on my spreadsheet, let me just run down some of his credits here. Because not only is he in movies as himself, so 22 Jump Street, Forgetting Sarah Marshall, Knocked Up, Tropic Thunder, The Skeleton Twins, uh, Pineapple Express, Adventureland, Superbad. But he's also in a lot of films as a voice role, like Inside Out, Her, Star Wars Episode 7, The Force Awakens, Megamind, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, Sausage Party, Finding Dory, Star Trek Into Darkness, Monsters University, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2. He's been in Popstar, Hot Rod, Paul, Trainwreck, Men in Black 3, uh, The To-Do List, They Came Together, Turbo. You know, he's been in so many movies. And, you know, he doesn't generally have a large role, but most of these movies are really good or very good. And that's great. And his back end, so his bad movies, are relatively lesser com by comparison. 
However, year one comes in as his 34th best film out of 36 total films. It lowers his average film rating to a 67.31. It is the third awful ranked rated film of his that I've seen uh, added to the list with Accidental Love and Escape from Planet Earth. It drops his value to a 56, his score to 123.31, and moves him from 10th place all the way down to 15th. So he drops... So the George Clooney... Don Cheadle, Tom Hanks, Seth Rogen, and John Ratzenberger all slide up one spot. Uh, Next down, we have Jack Black, who was previously ranked 78th. This is his 32nd movie overall, and it ranks as his 30th best film. It it drops his average rating to a 63.16 his value down to a 38, and his score down to a 101.16. So he falls down to 133rd spot. So he falls out of the top 100. After that is Michael Sarah, uh, who was previously ranked 95th. So there were three people in this film that were in the top 100, uh, which feels odd that, you know, Michael Sarah feels like the strangest person to have been in the top 100 except this is his first bad movie and i've only seen him in 11 things uh because between you know he's got scott pilgrim versus the world this is the end juno confessions of a dangerous mind super bad sausage party nick and Nora's infinite playlist crystal fairy and the magical cactus youth and revolt and a very merry christmas which i think are all positively good films Year one is awful and finally tarnishes his perfect record. And it drops his average rating down to a 74, his value to a 22, and his score down to a 96. And he plummets down to 274th place. So a big fall from Michael Sarah. Next, we have Robert Sean Leonard. That is a typo it's not a typo it's the vocal form of a typo next i mean we actually have david cross i almost messed up again david cross who plays uh kane abel the one that doesn't die the not paul rudd one uh this is the 21st david cross film he was previously ranked 120th and it is his worst film, his first awful film, drops his score down to a 97.57, and his rank down to a 217, down to 217th. So he actually makes out better than Michael Sarah, simply by having been in more films, so that this less is a lesser hit to his score. After that, we have Christopher Mintz Plasse. Plasse? Mintz Plasse. Uh, This is his 17th film. He was ranked 337th before this. And this is his third worst film. So 15th best, third worst. It drops his score down to an 89.35. And drops him down to 536th. 
so it ends up being better than Movie 43 and worse than Neighbors 2, Sorority Rising. That's where that goes. Uh, next, we have Harold Ramis, who is an actor in the film as well. This is his ninth acting credit that I've given I have for him, and his first awful film, his first bad film in general. Which, again, you know, this is this is what the spreadsheet does. It makes you accountable for all these awful roles that you take on the side, you know, and so. This drops him down to an 82.78 score and to 877th overall. Previously, his worst film that he'd been in, which is still a good film, is Orange County. But this definitely trumps that. Uh, after that, we've got Oliver Platt. who This is his 28th film. And ranks as his 24th best, so it's just ahead of the 10, and just behind Bicentennial Man. It drops his score down to a 74.82, and his overall rank to a 1,365. And it is his sixth awful film that I've seen him in. So, actually, a film that just came out this year that I saw him in that is worse than year one was Shut In, uh, which is about, like, a child psychiatrist who whose, like, kid is in a coma, sort of, a vegetated state, but not really, because it turns out he's been faking it the whole time. I don't know, it's really bad. Oliver Platt plays this, plays the therapist to the psychiatrist, and it's, just, it's really bad. Uh, after that, we have Hank Azaria, who is mostly a voice actor on The Simpsons. is <laughs> the best thing I know him from. But this is his 20th film credit, and almost none of them are voice credits by themselves. Uh, this ranks as his uh, 17th best film, or his best awful film. And it slots ahead of the Smurfs, too, and behind Celebrity. It drops his score to a 62.45, and his rank from 1,882 to 2,084, so 200 spots he fell. After that, we have Xander Berkeley, uh, which is definitely not a household name. He is not... She is... Mm, he is not really in a lot of things. This is his 16th film. He doesn't play big roles at all. And this ends up being uh, right behind Superman, Batman, Public Enemies, the DC animated film, and right ahead of Transcendence, the really, really shitty Johnny Depp sci-fi thing that came out I want to say last year uh, but this is his 14th best film out of the 16 that he's been in drops his score to a 58.63 and his rank to a 2294th uh, so if you haven't heard of Xander Berkeley, I would not be surprised 
Uh, he's, uh, I would say he's a pretty recognizable face. He's like that guy. You know, you'll see him in a lot of TV shows. He's been in, on 24, Nikita, um, Salem, I believe. But he's, yeah, he's just, uh, he's just one of those guys that kind of pops up everywhere. That's, that's Xander Berkeley. After that, we have Olivia Wilde. Such a shame. I, it's always disappointing when actors that I really like are in really shitty movies. Like Olivia Wilde, who I really like, particularly from when she was on House. This is her 14th film. And it comes in behind The Lazarus Effect and ahead of The Longest Week, which are both also awful. And Year One is her 13th best film. Drops her score down to a 56.14 and her rank down to a 2,413. Uh, Rick Overton, who is another one of those guys that you happen to see. Uh, he will generally be seen in a beard, goatee, full face thing. I don't know. This is his 14th best film. Uh, right behind Earth Girls Are Easy and right ahead of Bad Teacher. It is drop it drops his score from a down to a 54.2 and he falls to 2502nd uh, place. And uh, as you can tell, we're kind of spending a lot of time at the bottom of the spreadsheet. And that's kind of how most big comedies end up being. So next we have Vinnie Jones. This is his 10th film and his 8th best one. It comes in ahead of The Big Bounce and behind The Condemned. It's drop. It drops his score to a 48.5 and he falls to 2,722nd place. About 200 spots for him as well. Uh, entering the 3000s now, Rhoda Griffiths. Man, we are really hitting the unknowns pretty hard. Uh, she's been in a handful of films. You know, this is her fifth credit that I've got. And, you know, her only good film currently is The Hunger Games. But she was previously in Masterminds, which came out earlier this year. And she's in Road Trip, which was probably her most well-known role. She's like in the middle-aged age range. Uh, she was in things. I'm not sure. You know, I don't really, you know, I recognize her from her picture, but I couldn't tell you really what else she's been in. Uh, she's been in. They're saying she's been in the TV show Memphis Beat. So you might recognize her from that. Uh, but this drops her score to a 31.4, and she goes down to rank 3,124th. And we're really scraping the bottom of the barrel here. But that is what this is all about. Next, we have Matthew Willig who is 
Um, very recognizable. Probably not from his name, though. Um, trying to think of how to describe. He's huge. He's incredibly tall. He's really built. And he's a former uh, offensive tackle in the NFL. If you are a fan of football. Yeah. So... He, you would tell, totally recognize him when you see him. Uh, this is his fifth credit that I've got. It comes in ahead of Wild Card, a Jason Statham movie, and behind We're the Millers to be his fourth best film. And his score falls to 30.6, and his rank falls to 3136. Uh, still to go. June Diane Raphael, who I really, I really like her, and I'm trying to remember why that is, actually. Uh, she's married to Paul Shear, who is also in this movie, but she's, hmm, what is she from? I'm pretty sure... That she has been in a TV show that I watch. Uh, she's been in many films, and I think some that I don't have on here actually, because they're giving list. IMDb's listing credits that I have seen but don't have here. So maybe sure. So her ratings actually might be a little higher than what this says. Uh, but currently, this is her fifth film, sixth film. And it drops her score to a 19.17, her rank to 3,244th out of 3,298 people total. Uh, but she's been on The League, The Muppets, Lady Dynamite, American Dad, where she voices a lot of different people. Uh, she's in on this t the Netflix show Grace and Frankie. Um, new girl she plays Sadie in six episodes um, she's in Burning Love the TV show all of it Electric City as Eva Jacobs um, 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 um. yeah but she's in a lot of things and I think that I don't have her, I'm, I don't. I think I'm not giving her enough credit, and I will have to double check that actually after this is done. Uh, who else do we have? Paul Shear, her husband. Uh, this is his seventh film. Uh, he was originally 3,261st or 60th place, and fell 12 spots to 3,272nd place. Uh, with a score of now 13.71, which is only 13 point, uh, or 14.5 points uh, above the bottom, which he could definitely, definitely reach. Um, and then that's it for current the people who existed on the spreadsheet at the point at that point 
And then there are three new names to add to the spreadsheet from this film. The first is Marshall Manesh, who I most recognize from How I Met Your Mother. Uh, he's the taxi driver on How I Met Your Mother. This is his fourth, fil fourth film and his only bad one. So his score debuts at a 69 with a rank of 1,711. Next is Kyle Gass, the other part of Jack Black's Tenacious D band. This is his sixth film and not his only bad one. He's got four bad films on here. His score will debut at a 44.67 with, which puts his rank at 2,859. And lastly, Gia Carides. Gia Carides. Who is... Um, I don't think I could tell you. Uh, she's somewhat familiar to me, looking at pictures of her. She's Australian. And she is apparently best known for portrayals of Liz Holt in Strictly Ballroom, Susie Connor in Brilliant Lies, and Cousin Nikki in My Big Fat Greek Wedding. I have seen My Big Fat Greek Wedding. It has been quite some time, though. Uh, yeah, so that's... Uh, the, so she's added year one ends up as the third her third overall best film and her worst one overall. She's only got three credits right now. Her score is a 45.33, which makes her rank 2,835th. So just a bit ahead of Kyle Gass. And yeah, so that's those are the actors for year one. Uh, we saw a little bit of movement at the top, which was nice. You know, I don't often get to have that. And so it was interesting to, unfortunate that Bill Hader dropped, but I imagine he will be back. Uh, I do think, though, one of my favorite parts uh, is the kind of outtakes at the end during the credits. Bill Hader has some great outtakes during the end credits. Uh, so I, I would recommend like watching the outtakes if you do end up watching this movie or yeah that's what i meant uh year one it qualifies as an adventure film a comedy that's pretty much it uh it gets a one on the bechdel test uh for having a significant number of female characters none of them ever talk to each other and it's all it's all treated as if it were the time that the movie takes place which is to say that women were treated like crap and it is unrated because i watched the unrated version didn't get nominated for any oscars thankfully probably got nominated for some razzies though i'd imagine and then this will be interesting because i haven't really looked at this kind of statistic for a film that wasn't this year's uh, so this came out in 2009. This is the 137th film from that year I've seen. And it lowers the average film rating from that year to a 
and it is the 33rd adventure film from 2009 and the 65th comedy from that year that I've seen. It evens out the Bechdel test between one, so having multiple female characters that they don't talk to each other, and three, where they do talk to each other about something that's not a man. They both are at 32.85% now. Although I will say that there is a small chunk of films from that year that don't have a Bechdel test value simply because I started keeping track of that statistic after I'd seen a good healthy chunk of films that were already on the spreadsheet and it's very difficult to remember that although there are a couple of websites that help help out and uh, as an unrated film it is the second that I have cataloged for that year but there are still a good like I said lot of incomplete data to be fair and about 85 films that I haven't given their MPA rating to from that year so grain of salt at best and uh, yeah so that's year one it isn't a good movie but it did have some lasting effects on the spreadsheet and you know if you liked the film that's fine you know i laughed there are some funny moments there are some aspects of it that are so bad that they're funny but there's a ton of cringeworthy stuff it really mixes and um, mashes different tropes and plots and historical events without any sense of respect or regard for history itself which is kind of an issue to, uh, you know just it's just a tiny thing and, but you know it's i think for me the biggest hit that it has on the spreadsheet is the bill hader drop and uh, I, I fully expect him to, like, rise up soon. I'm sure he's going to be in a movie that I see coming out. And I'll just... And it'll be a good movie. And then it'll jump back up. But, you know, he's about two and a half points away from breaking back into the top ten. And it is an up, uphill battle. as As it should be. But the biggest the biggest thing though for these all these actors toward the top of the list is that they're up there because I've seen most of their good movies already. You know, like I've seen thirty five Matt Damon films, I've seen thirty one Brad Pitt films, thirty one Philip Seymour Hoffman films, thirty two Helena Bonham Carter films, twenty seven Kate Blanchett films, twenty eight Christian Bale films, twenty six Ray Fine films. 30 George Clooney films. Now, I've seen so many of them. And yes, most of those people, that's like 50% of their filmography. But, you know, there's generally, and generally, very vague terminology here. A lot of the other films that they're in are either small, lesser-known films, 
or bad films that kind of got swept under the rug in their filmographies. And so they're not really on my radar in the same way. And they're not, most of those people that I just named, they're not Bill Hader. They're not doing really small voice roles in her where they play like a sex phone voice for like three seconds or where they're one half of BB-8's voice effects in Star Wars The Force Awakens. And yeah, that's a really minuscule role and you could probably have swapped any person into that role maybe and gotten roughly the same result but that's still a part of the film. He was he was included in those films and he was chosen for a reason. And even if that reason happened to be convenience, that's just as good a reason as any other as far as I'm concerned. You know, if availability is the only reason that Samuel L. Jackson's been I've seen like 60 films of his, then I mean, great for him. He deserves it for being so available. And, you know, Hater is kind of in the same way. Just with his voice, more so. He's kind of, uh... You know, he... And... Alan Tudyk, I think, are kind of following in that same John Ratzenberger path. You know, Ratzenberger's biggest roles, you know, Ratzenberger's ranked 14th, and the majority of his roles are all voice roles. And I think while Ratzenberger's a lot more practiced than Hader or Tudyk are, you know, Tudyk recently was Hey Hey in Moana, but I think that they, either of them, could really fill Ratzenberger's shoes should he ever, you know, leave us or decide to step away from the industry. But until then, you know, I'm sure Ratzenberger will be continuing to find plenty of work in all the Disney Pixar movies that possibly could possibly exist. But that's going to do it for today's statistics episode. Thank you for listening. I hope that you enjoyed it again i apologize for the lack of episodes recently but hopefully this will tide you over until i really get back into the swing of things Uh, i don't expect to have another episode tomorrow but look for a new episode to come out uh, probably thursday if not friday i'm not sure I know that I'll be able to do the Spielberg episode by then. I'm not sure if something else will take its place or will be pushed to after that episode comes out. And that's going to be it. Thank you for listening. You can find all my contact information in the show notes. Uh, And like I said, anything at all that you want me to cover, I'm happy to oblige in some form or another that rhymes and uh good news um the podcast is now on stitcher which i'm happy about uh 
in, his, in addition to iTunes. And I believe... And, yeah, so making some progress, you know, if you like to, please get the word out if you like the podcast. And, you know, more listeners will benefit you in the long run because that will mean more people, you know, sending in comments, questions, and enhancing the experience for everyone involved. And until next time, have a week. So long, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So long.